Welcome to the Everyday Changemakers Podcast. I'm your host, Dave McManus. On the podcast, I interview everyday changemakers to learn more about their story, how they began, and what challenges that they had along the way. With this podcast, I hope to inspire other people to take action on the things that they're passionate about to make the world a healthier, safer, and more inclusive place. In this episode of Everyday Changemakers, I have the pleasure of interviewing Mary Kelly. Mary is from Adelaide in South Australia and really is working hard on a social impact venture that aims to reduce reusable coffee cups. And as someone who drinks a lot of coffee, I am extremely happy about this solution. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome, Mary, to the Everyday Changemakers podcast. Could you kick us off and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, Dave. It's great to be be here and sharing stories. Um, so I'm Mary. I'm from Adelaide. I've just finished my degree in entrepreneurship and innovation, but I've dabbled a lot around in other little fields. Sustainability is is kind of particularly where my my passion lies and, and what I try and build into every aspect of my life. And, and when I say sustainability, I mean the environmental, the economic and the social aspects of it. So it's more about just being a greenie, but, but trying to build my life around the circular economy model and put that into my workplace, into my social life and, and everything I do. So right now I'm, I'm working on, on a couple of startups, but my, my real passion is also helping other startups build, take their ideas and, and build them into something, something amazing. That's awesome. And that's a great segue to your main startup that you're working on uh, reusably. Could you you give us the elevator pitch for that? Yeah, easy. So reusably, we're an Adelaide-based startup that we have an aim to eliminate single-use plastics and disposables from our ecosystems and our landfills. So starting with reusable coffee cups, we've created an exchange system that allows people to purchase their reusable cup on their phone simply go into a cafe, purchase their coffee. The reusable cup is there waiting for them. They can walk away with it, leave it. And then when they're finished with their coffee, they can just drop it off anywhere. So it creates kind of like a community of cups, almost like a mug wall, but we then take them, clean them and redistribute them across the network. That's awesome. Well, as a proud Melbourneian, I (laughs) drink a lot of coffee and I have drank a lot of (laughs) coffee in my time. And I mean, I, I tried to do the keep cup and I, you know, I would always keep forgetting it. So I think I really like yeah. that idea. Um, yeah, well, that's, that was our biggest point is even though we've got things like keep cups and mug walls, they, they still present their own challenges. And, and particularly in the last few months, we've seen most places banning reusable cups just because they're too much of a, a hygiene risk. So we took the approach of how do we make something that's as convenient as a disposable cup where you don't have to remember it. You don't have to think about cleaning it. You're never going to have a cup that's sitting in your car for two months. It's, it's that convenience element. For sure. It sounds like you've uncovered a few, a few areas that you didn't think were, were there. Like, like most startups, would you be able to take us back to the beginning and, you know, even before Mm -hmm. you started to when you were thinking about it and Maybe talk talk about the first steps and you know what was that first action you really took to get started? Yeah, so I, I wasn't really looking to start something. I was I was in the car and I was driving and I heard on the radio that they were thinking of banning 
reusable cups. I was like, no, this can't happen. Like this is a step backwards for sustainability. And I thought, is, is there something I can do about this? So I just started playing around with a few ideas and started talking to people and, and realizing that this would be a problem for people and they're interested in, in finding a solution for it. So it, it, it was never kind of an intentional venture. It kind of just a problem appeared in front of me that I cared about and that people around me cared about. And so I thought, let's, let's have a go at, at trying to fix it. That's awesome. And what did have a go look like in the very, very early stages? What, what were the first kind of things that, that you did? Yeah, so it, it was kind of strange because I was studying at the time. So in my entrepreneurship course, I tried to leverage all the assignments that we were using to, to teach myself about, you know, different ways to assess an opportunity. So it was mostly just looking at the market, looking at who my users were, identifying who the problem was for and, and getting down to the real root of, of a problem. I think that's the most challenging thing about a venture is you can have a great idea, but unless you understand the actual pain point of a user, you're never going to have the right solution. So it came down to the feeling of guilt, like people forget their coffee cups. So if I can substitute something so they're not going to forget it, that's, that's kind of the best way to tackle this rather than just kind of come up with the best idea there's always a method to it once you kind of start asking questions like just getting out there and talking to people I, I spent probably the first six months before I actually put anything down on paper just talking to people asking questions getting their feedback coming up with different ideas and then testing them to see if that's what they were interested in or not and yeah it kind of just grew from there that's awesome I heard a really great quote in accelerator program that I was in if Einstein, if Einstein had 20 days to solve a problem, he'd spend 19 days figuring out what the problem was. It's basically, uh, hopefully I didn't butcher that quote, but that's pretty <laughs> much on the money of what you just said. When you, when you were starting and getting out and speaking to, to, to potential users, how, how was that for you? And was this something that you've done in, before? No, it's, it's nothing that I'd ever done before. I'd kind of always pictured entrepreneurship as this thing that was, it was all about business. It was all about coming up with the most brilliant idea. And I didn't understand that, you know, we, we kind of do it every day. It's, it's just about problem solving. And it took me a while to realize that I was doing it. It was just something that I was interested in. And I thought, oh, I'll just have conversations with my friends about this. And it wasn't until a few months in that I realized, hey, I've actually got some really good data here. I've got something to build on now because I've gone out and asked these questions. So it's, yeah, it's, it's strange. I didn't realize that I was doing it and until after, but now that I've done it a few times, I found it's the most effective way to figure out whether an idea is going to work or not, how I need to pivot it, whether it's even the right problem. Like I might have an idea, but realize that it's solving a completely different problem or I need to pivot the idea based around a, a new problem that I've identified by talking to people. But it's something that everyone can do. Like it's based, based on what your skills are. So another question that I, that I had to ask the whole way through was, is this something that I can do? Do I have the right skills? Do I have the right connections? Am I in the best place to solve this? And that played a massive factor in, in the type of solution that, that I, I came up with, which eventually turned into reusably was it was, 100% based on, on what I had and the people that I had around me. Like there's probably a million other big tech solutions and 
you know, if Google were to come up with a solution to this, it would probably look really, really different. But there, there's so much that we can do as individuals based on what we have. Yeah, I think that's such a great point. Understanding your background and then even your your network, you know, who who mm. do you have to help you. I'd love to dig into. So you mentioned that you interviewed a lot of uh, friends and people in your network. What about the first people that you contacted outside of your network that were maybe cold? cold outreach or, or anything like that how how was that for you and was that yeah how was that experience yeah I've got some pretty I wouldn't say harsh but but pretty forward feedback and it gave me a lot of points to think about that I hadn't really considered beforehand like I, my first one that I did was in the US I when I was on the hacker exchange program I sent out a survey and I started talking to lots of people that I'd never met before they didn't know me I didn't know them and it was kind of just straight this is what my feedback is and I found I wasn't even communicating what I was trying to get across really well or I'd made a lot of assumptions about different people in different places because I I had mostly just talked to my friends and family and they obviously were in in the same sphere as me they're in the same bubble they had a lot of the same lifestyle choices but talking to someone else someone even said why would someone want to do that you know that's so inconvenient to do that or that's not a traditional custom here or something. So it really made me rethink what I was doing, but also made me refine who exactly we were targeting. What's the best way to, to get this out to the people that we are trying to reach. And, and maybe if we do want to reach other people in future, what does that have to look like? For sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, getting, especially in cold outreach, getting no's are just as valuable, valuable as, as yeses. Um, oh Yeah. It was so confronting. I was like, oh, someone doesn't like my idea or they don't get it. Like it was the first time I was really shut down. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty confronting feeling. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but I, get, I guess after that, though, after you'd, you'd done that and, you know, you started to call people up, you know, how did you start to gain a bit more confidence in, in the process? Yeah, I think I think I just had to trust my that I knew what I was talking about and that you know, I had worked really hard on this and I had something there that you know, not everyone's going to like it, but I couldn't be afraid to share it and and try and get more feedback from people that I didn't know. It it, it almost became a driver because that that first no that I got, it was a little bit disheartening, but what came out of that was really amazing and I never would have been able to develop or innovate what I already had if I hadn't had that no so it kind of made me a little bit excited to to want to want to go out and kind of seek for no's because I wanted to prove that you know I, I did have something that you know even someone who you might think would say no you're gonna adapt it or iterate it so that it becomes the best thing that it can possibly be and and all you have to do is talk to people for that like that I I think we probably went a year our team before we spent a single dollar on any prototypes or anything we we spent a year iterating our idea and our system just through talking to people and getting people to say this doesn't work this doesn't work or an expert to say oh I've, I've heard of something similar before this didn't work for them have you thought about this and most cases we hadn't thought about it so the more knows that like if we just went out searching for people that were going to say yeah it's great we'd never learn anything we'd never push ourselves any further that's awesome yeah and i i feel like customer interviews and 
you know, the cold outreach and getting as much feedback as you can. It's so valuable from, you know, multiple areas like the, the business model, like are people going to pay for this? What's, you know, what's the incentive alignment with all of the right. stakeholders product? Like h- how are they going to use this? How is this thing going to work? Work. I feel as though every single customer interview, you really get a no or yeah, I love this or, you know, do that. It's just yeah. kind of an individual piece of the, the jigsaw puzzle and, you know, starting to bring more light into into the problem but yeah i think i think it's so interesting because you mentioned before about about learning something new you know it often i mean especially in startups you're continually kind of iterating on, on your product you know, every new piece of information hopefully you don't have to deviate off, off your your main <laughs> area which is what they call as a pivot but yeah you're always learning something new and, and trying to improve so you, ha- you have to take it on board. You, you have to listen to what people say because even though something might work in your head, it's more than likely not going to be the same for someone else who's experiencing it. Or, yeah, you'd be silly not to listen to people. For sure. So so where are you at right now with reusably? Yeah, so we, 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 we had a little break when everything kind of went into lockdown because there were no cafes open. So we, we kind of had to put the brakes on but but we've resumed where we're coding at the moment we're finally at a point where we think we're ready to, to actually start building it so we should be ready for a few trial launches by the end of the year so we're looking at some kind of closed precincts um, like universities or hospitals where we can put some cups in in the loop and, and get customers trying them out we, we won a bit of prize money last year that's kind of helping us get it off the ground we um, we're in an incubator at the moment so that we're, it's definitely moving and it's exciting because it's starting to feel real now. It's for so long, it's kind of just been us in a room smashing ideas out on a whiteboard. But, you know, now we've actually got something tangible that we can show for, for all this hard work we've put in. So trial launches by the end of the year and hopefully we're out in the world by, by early next year is the plan. <laughs> but That's awesome. Probably no plans don't always go to plan in the, in the startup <laughs> world. <laughs> Absolutely. That's awesome. And I mean, you know, looking back when you when you were starting out and you had this idea or or you were basically the idea was thrown in front of you, you know, it must be pretty pretty rewarding and after going from nothing to you know, you're starting you know, the fruits of your labor are starting to pay off. Um, yeah, it is. And I think there's a lot of feeling in the like I I don't like using the word entrepreneur. I hate calling myself an entrepreneur because I think it kind of stigmatizes the whole you've got to be this kind of certain personality and have all these certain achievements to call yourself that. But it, it, it's hard to know at what point, you know, do I feel like I've actually achieved something? And it's hard to know when you're working with startups because you don't often have tangible things or, you know, KPIs that, that you've got to show the world. And so to now finally have something physical that I can point at and say, you know, we've actually achieved this. It is, it is so rewarding. But, but also just looking at how far we've come as a team and, and how much we've learned and, and the people that we've met, I, it's, it's become so much bigger and I've learned so much more even outside of the scope of, of reusably than, than I ever could have imagined. So that's probably the most rewarding thing is the personal growth that it's given me. That's awesome. Yeah, we, we actually, another one of our, I say we, but it's only like actually me. <laughs> another one of our guests that we had 
on the podcast mentioned that you know she started something first effort didn't succeed but gained a lot of social capital you know learned a lot of new skills second time did a bit better didn't succeed and then third time you know she's crushing it and and it's really and so I think that personal growth journey is is really important yeah. you know whether you succeed um or not I think you're you're getting a lot out of it which is which is great definitely yeah that's awesome so I guess with a bit of a plug to reusably how can people support you and get involved do you have a website or we do have a website so it's do it reusably Dot com and we've got a, a mailing list that you can sign up to where we can let you know when we've got our trials going, when it might be happening in your area, keep you updated on, on how our team's progressing. Um, we've also got a Facebook page, a LinkedIn, all those sorts of things, but the website's probably the best spot and you can learn a little bit about our team as well and where we where we came from, why, why we're doing what we do. I think that's the most important thing that we want to get out to people. We, we have such big visions for reusably outside of reusable cups and it's less to do with you know us as a business and more about changing society and changing the way that we we look at you know material and and items and and value commodities I suppose and and shift towards a more reusable society so the more that we can get our message across that's that's more about that's more what we care about I suppose less less than selling cups is if we can change someone's perspective or or make them question something even just asking the question oh is there something else that I can do that's going to be a little bit more sustainable that's that's what we want to do that's really what we want to do and any kind of partners that uh, you're looking for you mentioned the university but are there any corporate partners or cafes or yeah we're we're trying to reach out to as many individual cafes as we can but we'd also like to bring on kind of big groups so anywhere that that runs a shopping center or even a a strip that's got lots of cafes like one particular street you know any anywhere that that's got a good network because those closed precincts work work really really well because the idea is if you buy a coffee on one side of the city you can drop the cup off on the other side when you when you've walked down the mall or something so so yeah any any kind of closed circular systems is, is really what we're looking for for our trials at least yeah great well maybe even a big uh big tech company i know yeah. atlassian's just launched a big uh, big tech center in sydney so if they have any cafes in there i think anyone in yeah. the network can uh reach out to to them that would be great yeah that, that would be so fantastic because we, we'd love to bring it into business precincts as well so that you know it's all kind of this one little ecosystem within a building they don't have to leave it all just supports each other I guess what, throughout your journey, what are some of the biggest challenges for you? Oh, man. I think the biggest challenge for me, at least, was was motivation because you don't have anyone telling you this is what you have to do. This is what you have to reach by this date. There's there's no roadmap. There's no instructions. There's no one in your ear telling you how, how it's supposed to be and, and it's, often hard to to push yourself to get something done when you don't even know what has to be done it's it's quite challenging mentally that way but at the same time equally rewarding but I think having a team helps keep each other accountable and I've come across this new system that works in like 90 day cycles so you set everything to do like you set goals and things you want to achieve 
within that 90 days, you run an experiment that might last 90 days. You say, okay, I want to find out this about my customers. And you give yourself 90 days to get that data that you need to then reassess and then work in the next 90 day block. And I think that was really helpful, but it's, you have to be so self-disciplined to, to get it moving. And that, that's because there were, there were days where I was like, oh, I just can't be bothered. There's, there's no consequence of me not doing this, but I had to remind myself why I'm doing this and the, the real consequences I'd be letting myself down. I wanted, wanted to ask you a question. Do you, are you familiar with the term um, imposter syndrome? Yeah, big time. Have you experienced that throughout your journey? Oh yeah, every day, every day. And that comes back to not wanting to use the word entrepreneur. You never know because, because you compare yourself to, to big companies like Canva or Google or Uber or, and it's you know, hard to define at what point can I consider myself you know, to say that I've achieved something or feel like I, I am actually kind of worthy to be in this space. You know, I, I ran the entrepreneur club for a couple of years at, at uni and that was kind of my first step into the startup ecosystem. And I'd go to all these big networking events and I'd talk to all of these people that had achieved or in my eyes had achieved all these amazing things. And I'm just standing there going, I don't know if I'm, you know, good enough to be here. What have I achieved? What have I actually done that, that puts me in the room with these people. And it's, you, you question yourself all the time, all the time. Even, even still now that we've got reusably, it's like, oh, well, but you know, we don't have a, uh, 200 customers yet. So are we really there? Am I really a startup founder? Because I don't, I'm not at this particular point in my business. It's it, some days it can be quite disheartening because you'll go to a, a meeting with someone and they'll be miles ahead of you. At the same, it's inspiring at the same time that it does make you question yourself whether you're good enough to to be here or whether you can call yourself put put yourself in the same kind of at, at the same level as that other person because they've achieved more because they're they're at the next stage in their startup yeah it's it's a big problem and I think it's what puts a lot of people off having a startup or, or pursuing an idea because they just don't feel like they have the skills. It's like, Oh, I'll wait till I'm, I'll wait till I've done this or I'll wait till I've done this. I'll wait till I've got this amount of experience. Cause then I'll be, you know, ready to do this. But there's, we, we just count ourselves a lot. We don't give ourselves enough credit for what we've achieved and, and what we know and, and what we can achieve. I agree. You've uh, hit the nail on the head. Someone asked me to be on a panel last year. And I just remember sitting up there looking at the people beside me going, how on earth am I, am I up here? Like, what have I done that, that puts me here? I'm nowhere, I'm nowhere near in the league of these people next to me. I just, I just didn't get it. But the, the, the questions that they started asking me, I realized that, you know, I was still inspiring people. It's just I may have been inspiring a different group of people than, say, the person who's got this massive startup would, would be inspiring. Like, there's still value that, I have to remind myself that I still have value that I can, I can give to other people. It may not be the same as, you know, a Steve Jobs or something, but it's, it's, it's still value. And I have to constantly poke myself and say, you know, you have something you you've done enough that, that you're, you're in this room and that you're talking to these students and that they're listening and they have something to learn from you. And what is your final advice to people 
thinking about something, you know, it could be environmental issue, it could be human rights issue, it could be, you know, a startup that's can have a positive impact for the world. And what's your advice then about taking that first step? Yeah, I think the first thing, first thing to consider is just think about who you are, what you have and, and who you know and, and go from there. Like there, there's always some way that you can contribute to solving a problem. Don't think that you have to have the biggest and best idea. Just work with what you've got and that there is always something that, that you can do and just do it. What have you got to lose? There is, there is absolutely nothing that you've got to lose from at least applying your mind and, and trying to find a solution. If it doesn't work or it doesn't turn out to be the best solution, it's not the end of the world. You've learned something and you've done a process that, that you're becoming more familiar with that, that you can use next time um, on, a different, on a different problem. There's, the, yeah, there's absolutely nothing to lose from, from just trying is what I'd have to say. So go for it. Awesome. Well, thanks, Mary. Thanks a lot for, for taking the time and being a great guest on the Everyday Changemakers podcast. Thanks for having me. All right, that's another episode of Everyday Changemakers. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you could hit subscribe on the podcast player of your choice, that would be amazing. And head on over to dgmgrowth.com forward slash EC podcast to find all of the show notes and you can ask a question uh, to our guests on the show today. Thanks and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.